0: Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. You made it to church. How many of you had a, had a lot going on this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's one thing after the other. But how many of you are excited to be in the presence of God today? You could be anywhere on a Sunday. You could be anywhere. It wasn't until I went to college that I realized that people did other things on Sunday other than go to church. Um, that was when I realized that people go to farmer's markets on Sundays mornings, uh, people go to brunch on... I'm like, I never knew a life outside of this, but I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, tell your neighbor, welcome. Welcome. So for some of us that have been coming to church lately, first of all, Baptism Sunday last week. If you were baptized, can you just go ahead and stand to your feet? If you were baptized, like, can we just... We're family here, so we're just gonna encourage our brothers and sisters who publicly declared their faith and their identity and, come on, shamed the devil. It was a supernatural experience if you were here. Thank you so much. You can have your seat. It was definitely a wonderful time in the presence of God. If you stayed here late enough, we were, we were riding it out, and it was just beautiful. And I pray that if you are so led that the next baptism Sunday, you do not miss it, all right? Amen. Please do not miss it. When it is your season, it is your season. Be sensitive to it. And as we've been in this season, you know, if you've been with us a couple weeks, we started off speaking about uh, mind games, right? And really, let me not lie to y'all. The whole gig is up. We really in a season of spiritual warfare. Just, just go ahead. Y'all, 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 y'all felt that, right? All right. Go ahead and clap it up. It just, it was just, he's trying to be cute, give y'all some cute names, but really, the Lord has been leading us into perpetual words on warfare, and we want to make sure that us at the Gap Church, we are equipped to handle whatever life is going because life is going to come. Heat comes. Trouble does come, right? But it will not take you out if you are prepared. And so today we are moving into another section of this series on warfare, and we're going to be naming it Royal Priesthood. Tell your neighbor, Royal Priesthood. Don't worry, I'll give y'all the definition because y'all look real confused. But the subtitle of this series or this message today is really called When the Manna Ceased." When the Manna ceased, and so... So, so I'm married by the grace of God. I got this 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 caramel, you know, looking toffee, freckled nature man in the corner there that decided to, uh, you know, to put. Yeah, you know, we just the Lord is good. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, one of the things that I think my husband hates, I, even when you know you're even talking and you're dating someone, I think there is one statement whether you're married, you're dating. You're engaged that any man hates to hear, and it's none other than the statement, we need to talk. <laughs> Lord, I tell you what. <laughs> Anytime I tell my husband, babe, we need to talk, man is stressed, okay? And God forbid it's the morning, and I'm calling him on the way to work, and it, we're not going to see each other until the evening, so I'm like, oh, babe, we need to talk tonight and all day. What do we need to talk about? What is it that you have to say? I'm getting text messages, I'm getting harassed. I'm like, I'm busy, I'm seeing patients, but he is calling me because we need to talk. Those words seem to hold so much weight. And more than feel, I don't know if some of us growing up in a you know typical African background, the worst thing is when your dad says we need to talk and we need to have a family meeting. Oh, Especially if it's your kiss. <laughs> if it's you you're the subject matter isn't it the worst thing it's like gives me the most anxiety and I'm telling you growing up you know it's literally just you know just my brother and I and so growing up it's just the two of us and so literally if we need to talk it's either about me or him it was a 50 50 chance that it was most like and because of the kind of kid I was it was a 75 percent chance it was about me okay Um, I was the one that's the extrovert in the family so I'm the one that tended to bring up the most, you know, the most subject. And so, so we're actually going to just have a family meeting today. Is that okay? I mean, y'all in the room already. I mean, you might as well just can't leave now. You didn't came to church. But flip over to the book of Deuteronomy for me, chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. We're going to have some fun in the Lord today. Is that okay with y'all? All right. So Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. We're going to have a little family meeting. I done trapped y'all. You already came. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV today. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, we're going to wait for a couple more people. It's only an app, y'all. Scroll, scroll back to the app. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 3. And we're going to do something different. I want you to stand for the reading of the word this afternoon. Praise the Lord. We're going to respect and stand for the reading of the word. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses. 1 to 3 says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you will keep these commands. He humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors have known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of the word. Please have a seat. It says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may... Live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. When my husband and I, when we're reading the word of God, we always ask who's talking? And so who's talking? Who's talking in Deuteronomy? Any Bible scholars out here? Oh y'all, y'all, y'all not reading the word. Who's who's talking in the book of Deuteronomy? Moses, praise the Lord. So somebody said, Noah, come on, y'all. <laughs> Baby, baby, no, it ain't. Mm-mm, it's Moses. <laughs> so Moses is the person, the author in this text, and he's speaking to the children of Israel. As we know, we've read Genesis, we've read Exodus, right? We've read Leviticus and Numbers, and we know that Exodus was the beginning of the journey of the children of Israel out of Egypt going to where? The Promised Land. So we're getting to this juncture. After 40 years of being on a journey that should have only taken a couple of weeks, they're finally at the pinnacle of this journey, and Moses receives some instructions from God. He goes back to the place where he received the original commandments and says, it is time for me to talk to God again on behalf of these people, and so there are some commandments that he's going to talk, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but in verse 3, where we're going to start with, he says that the Lord humbled you, and he's talking more about the ancestors. He causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so we find that Moses is bringing them some context. He's, he's, he's reminding them that, remember, there was a time where manna did not exist. You see, the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they were leaving a place where they had to work for everything they had. They had to toil the land, and after several days being on this journey, they realized we ain't got no food. We didn't pack enough. We didn't think it was going to take this long, but we're on this journey already. What are we going to do? And so just like we visited before a couple weeks ago, the Lord decides to give a heavenly manna. Bible tells us, or theologians actually tell us, that manna is a supernatural food something, as we know, that fell from the heavens daily. And so could you imagine being 25 years old and you've never worked for the food you ate? Every morning there was provision. And literally, it was the same thing. Okay, we're Africans, so we ate the same thing all our life. Let's be honest. It was either starch, carbs, or some more starch. Amen, somebody. And so, so, so y'all really like the Israelites, you know? Same thing every day, being the age you're at right now, all you've ever known is manna. And so Moses is reminding them that there was a time where manna didn't exist. But when manna came, manna became symbolic. Manna ultimately taught the children of Israelites to value God's provision and his word and his supernatural power beyond anything their hands can do. Manna was powerful. It was beautiful. It was gyras, right? It was literally the dispensation of what gyra is, the provider. And so my, the manna didn't only just be a provision for them, it was a sustainance for them. And sustenance is a good thing in the wilderness, because if you've ever been in the desert before, it gets real lonely. And the ground in the wilderness is not productive to grow. The land in the wilderness has no water, has no soil. It's dry. It is not an, apti- it's not an optimal environment for life to exist in. Manna also represented freedom from being enslaved. You see, the children of Israel were enslaved for 400 years. That's a long time. Sounds a lot like black Americans in the United States. Hello, somebody. Right. It's a long time you don't have context for where you came from. And so God is having to patch up their identity again. Here, here's some manna. Here's what it looks like to be treasured for your time. Here's what it looks like to get fed for your value. You're worth more than this. You don't have to work and sweat the brow to receive good things. Is somebody catching this word? Ladies, hello. You don't always have to be a bottom feeder. You belong on the table. In fact, I've made a seat at the table for you. That's what manna meant to them. So it wasn't just a heavenly food. No, it meant so much like you mean to me that I can get something good. I mean, have you ever bought something expensive be like, <laughs> expensive things look good on me. Right? It's just like that guy that won the lottery for thirty k, and he bought a twenty k watch. You know, sometimes we just don't know how to, you know, and it got stolen. Y'all saw the story. Where we go. He need to just come to the Gap Church. And so Moses, he does this, and he's reminding them of that said man. But we're gonna flip over. We flip over to Deuteronomy chapter thirty four. The Bible tells us that Moses dies. In fact. The painful part about this story is that Moses, the same one that literally had to beg these people to be free from enslavement, had to do the signs of wonder. His staff separated the seats, were crying out loud. He did everything. He went up to the mountain for 40 days, and he, he didn't see his family. He suffered so much. He came down, and guess what they were doing? Worshiping idols. I mean, he had suffered so much but unfortunately he offended God and he could not see the promised land. There's a word in there for somebody that you think that offense, you think that grace is going to cover everything. Don't play with God. Don't play. How can a man who literally made his life's work freeing people to go to a promised land that he could not step? See, he could see it. Read this text. Deuteronomy 34, just pray that for someone, that everything that is meant to be yours, that you're meant to possess, that it won't just be what you see, you will step into it, walk into it, live into it in the name of Jesus. I break that curse off of somebody who just sees good things but never lives in it. Bible says he... The Lord allowed him to go all the way to the mount to see the promised land, but he never saw it. That's a word for somebody. You shall possess what you see in the name of Jesus. But then we get to Joshua chapter 3, and Joshua was Moses' replacement. Oh, that's a whole other word. Lord, give me the time to teach this. Joshua chapter 8, the Bible, or Joshua chapter 3 rather, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 3 that at this point Moses had passed. The people stayed in this literal valley before they get to the promised land to mourn him for 30 days and it was time to move on because the thing about life is that the generation above us, they can do it all, they can teach us everything, but eventually it's time to move on. And this is a prophetic word for us in the Gap Church because so many of us are always constantly working to seek the validation of the generation above, and honey, it's time to move on. The reality is they're not always going to be there to spoon food you the truth, and the vision, and the instruction, you're going to have to learn to talk to God and walk with him on your own. You see, something I didn't say is that all those people that had been freed from enslavement, it was not them that entered the promised land. It was their children. There are some generational blessings that will never go to your parents. They belong to you, but you didn't work for it. Oh, somebody help me teach this text. Nothing worse than giving a 16 year old a Bentley. 16 year old a Bentley, most likely, 16 year old with a Bentley don't know how to take care of a Bentley. Now, if you give a 16 year old a beat up Honda, even if they crash the car, will you have issues? But if the 16 year old crashes the Bentley, what do we do? Who do we blame? Do we blame the 16-year-old, or the person who gave it? Uh, you people are African. <laughs> Why did they give them the Bentley in the first place? When you, some, mo- most of us, we don't realize that we are living in the labor of a previous generation we are eating the reward and the fruits of the generation above. You didn't work for it, so sometimes, I get it, you don't know how to sustain it. And sometimes what you don't work for, you don't sustain, you end up having the tools to destroy. Because what you know real good, you can either sustain it or destroy it, but without the proper guidance, the latter happens. And so, a generation who never knew in Egypt, never knew a life where they had to work for anything, is now entering the promised land. So, in the book of Joshua chapter 3, God has to do something. Tell your neighbor, God has to do something. At this point, they have to go through the Jordan. And I want us to read verse 16 or verse 15. Bible says Joshua 3:15. Now the Jordan is at a floodgate all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the ark reach the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed crossing on dry ground. When was the first time we saw this? Was it not the Red Sea? Similar situation. But now, the same similar situation, instead of the staff of Moses, we have the Ark of the Covenant, which is symbolic of the presence of God that has the power and the authority to separate the waters. So, 40 years later, different generation now get to see the evidence of the power of God. Could it be the storm you are facing is God trying to press in his power and his presence in your life just as he did with your family and with your parents? Could it be that he has to repeat some things to get your attention? Could it be that he has to show up the same kind of way to show he's still the same God? Could it be? Because... The thing is, sometimes experience is the only teacher. I can't teach separating seas. I can't encourage it. I can't pass it down enough. It's the experience of it, the encounter of it. This season has been wild because literally, Ameka and I, mean, I not talk about this all the time, we're like, What God is doing is beyond us in the Gap Church. And I've been having some interesting encounters lately. So I'm going to tell you a quick story. So y'all know, if you know me, I love coffee. Praise the Lord. It's actually a slight addiction, but the Lord is with me. Um, And so, you know, I was just on my usual coffee runs. And I said, you know what, let me just stop by for lunch. So I'm in a line, cute little coffee shop, North Arlington. And I see this lady. And, you know, us Texas folks, like, somebody would just strike up a conversation with you randomly, you know? And so I'm used to the whole, oh yeah, today's real hot, ain't it? You know, just those odd, like, okay girl, I'm just literally here for my coffee. (sighs) I just kind of want to leave. Um, And you know, I just noticed that she was kind of dragging it. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm just going to be nice to her. And so she's in front of me. So she pays and and I pay, and I was like, okay, let me go ahead, and I think I'm going to sit down, so, you know, I'm looking around for, you know, empty place to sit, and sure enough, <laughs> can't make this up, I swear, I cannot make this up, oh, there, you you staying, there's a seat right here, and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, okay, I really just was, it's a stop off, I was going to be here for 10 minutes, but, you know, I sat down, and I was like, she was, she was a real nice lady, so she starts talking to me about her kids, and I find out the woman's in her 70s, and you know, she's a sweet woman, you know, really nice woman. And, you know, she's older, so hey, I'm sure she would really like the company. And so we're just talking and talking, and ten minutes in the conversation, she's like, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. I said, Holy Spirit? <laughs> oh, so we're doing this, God. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, so I'm not just having a cup of coffee. Got it. Starts talking to me, and she just starts prophesying. and Can't make this up. She just says, the, pe- the thing she said, those kids, those, those youth, those young people, keep encouraging to have these encounters. She don't know about the Gap Church. What? Complete stranger, can't make this up. Keep, please, impartation, impartation, keep going. We just coming off of uh, mind games. And somebody's telling me that we need to keep imparting. Now, here's the thing. God is so invested in what is happening in this house that he has to keep showing up in unique ways to get our attention. That what is happening here is not ordinary. I get that come here a lot and it seems normal. Newsflash, it's not. Because the investment that God is putting in this house, in you, is to fuel your generation. I know it's happening so quick. And it doesn't seem convenient because you're not in the stage of your life right now where you feel like you can do a lot with it. But keep pouring it in. The investment is not to eat today, it's for your tomorrow. Keep putting it in. If you know anything about finance... The money you put in those Roth IRAs, you don't pick it up today. I'm talking about decades down the line is what you eat off of it. And some of you in this room right now, what you do today in this season is what you're going to eat off of in decades to come in the name of Jesus. Mark my words, your children going to eat off of it. You are just going to see some things in your life just work. Just work. It's not today. See, you have to stop wanting to rush to the good part. You ever watch a movie and you're just like, oh man, I can't wait till we get to the good part. Well, if you if you, you skip through everything, you'll miss the context of what gets you to the good part. And so some of us, we need to stop trying to rush to the good part because if you try to rush to the good part, you won't be able to sustain when it gets good. Remember what I said, you can have a good thing, but throw it all away because you're right in it. They had to touch the Jordan. They had, to, they had to have their feet upon that bedrock. They had to see fishes. Literally, on one side and the other. <laughs> they had to see dolphins and sharks. Up high. I mean, I'd be scared. Like, you want me to walk through this? I could barely kill a roach. Like... <laughs> and I... I've been to Israel. I've been to the Dead Sea and, and, and my brother was there. And so do you remember the Dead Sea was pretty weighty, right? It was literally the buoyant forces were heavy. You can't drown in the Dead Sea. It's, it's a heavy water. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. And so part of this journey required a lifting of heavy water. Oh, it's so symbolic, lifting off every heavy thing that had been passed down in their previous generation so that when they pass through the waters, just like we did last week, there's some weight that falls off. They can walk into something new. They can see something new. They don't have to go through the same thing their parents did because the Jordan cleansed them symbolically. That's a prophetic word. Do not despise these things that we're doing in our midst. They may seem small. Sometimes when they say, we just need everyone to kneel down. I see some people, oh Lord, here we go again. (laughs) These bad knees, barely bad. Just like, listen, kneel down for the Lord instead of bending down like Megan. Uh, Use those knees for the Lord. (laughs) Just, it just hit somebody in the back. It's okay, the rest of y'all, it'll come later. <laughs> it's okay, it's, it's, I'm happy, some of y'all too saved to understand that, praise God. <laughs> Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. Joshua chapter 5, verse 9 to 12. As we kind of hone in on what we've been discussing today about the manna seizing. The Bible says... Just just a little subtext, because I'm not going to have time to read above. It says that first thing that Joshua had to do before they could get to the promised land is he had to circumcise everybody. Now, for the young men in the house, most of you don't have a vivid memory of circumcision, because hopefully your parents looked out and they did it way before it meant anything to you. But essentially, we have a whole generation of men who had never been circumcised. And so they had to go through all of them, circumcise them, let them sit down and heal at home, and then we get to the text. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Thank you for those that said amen. Today the Lord has rolled away the reproach of what could have been what has enslaved you in the name of Jesus. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, But that year, they ate the produce of Canaan. Other translations said, the manna ceased after that day. It stopped. Now, this same manna, who had sustained them for all this year, suddenly it ceased. After what? After they ate the produce of the land. If you're taking notes, you might want to pay attention. Manna is a good thing. We talked about it. But manna had to seize because they had to learn how to work the land. If you think Christianity is all Rice Krispies and Skittles, it ain't, sis. The Bible says, when I was a t- child, I thought like a child. I talk like a child, but now that I'm older, I have put away childish things. Babies drink milk, grown men and women we eat meat. They had to learn to work for what it was that they had been handed to before in the previous chapter. Some of us are in that season right now. You didn't know what it took to get what you had. The things that, you know, when you were in school, every school year, what'd they do? Back to school shopping. Bought all your school supplies, bought all your clothes and everything. And then suddenly something happens when you go to college. Oh, y'all forgot about me? Come home, you see all your younger siblings. Yeah, y'all got some new jeans? Who bought that for you? Oh, it must be nice. Wouldn't know that, you know. You get older and you realize the value in the things you were once handed. And you realize that, wow, this means more than I thought. This is more valuable. This is more worth than I used to. Had I known what I know now, maybe I would have taken care of what I had before. That's a word for somebody. And so God says, you know, I know that I've been handing off a lot of good things to you, but it's time to get to work. I, I can do the supernatural but it's time to get to work. Number two, the reason why the manna stopped is because they needed to reach a new level, a new dispensation. And what needed to occur was that the supernatural that kept them in one season was no longer relevant because now they needed faith in the next season. You see, sometimes we don't understand that when you are new in your walk in certain seasons, God will just kind of give you. It's like the romantic season. It's like, you know, you know when you're in the talking stage and it just seems like they always pick up the call. They always answer your text back. You get, if you're, you know, if, he, if he's romantic enough, you get flowers, you get things, surprises, and then you get into the relationship a little further and it's like, oh, it's our anniversary? Oh, man, I totally forgot, you know. Just kidding. Hopefully that won't happen. And if he does, just talk to me. Um, But as we get further in these seasons, God says, I can't keep giving you these crayons. I can't always be at you. You got to do something to reach a new level with me. You got to stretch your faith. If your faith as a mustard seed in one season could have produced and yielded the supernatural, but... I've been giving you mustard seed miracles. I want to give you giant miracles. But faith is what you need. Number three, the reason why the manna had to cease was manna was a gift from the wilderness, not for the promised land. See, what can be a gift in one season is a curse. In another season, if you hang too tight to it, If you're still wearing diapers and you're 25, sis, we got to talk. You keep hanging on to these wilderness gifts, these wilderness promises, thinking that it's going to sustain you because you're too scared and you don't have the faith to accept all the unknown in the new promised land. And we must be a generation who literally have the guts enough to leave what we know and step into the uncomfortable get used to being uncomfortable. You want to be great. You want to mark change. You want to please God. You want to grow in your faith. You want to leave your mark on this earth. You got to stop being uncomfortable. You got to stop, got to stop waiting for God to give you things hand and foot. You start to start stretching your faith. Sometimes you need to tie 15%. Hello, somebody. Sometimes you need to put something in the soil. That little money you're getting there, if you're faithful with little, he'll give you some more. Sometimes you need to learn how to stretch yourself. Stop waiting for your parents to sow the seed for you do it yourself. Do it yourself. Bigger blessings, bigger miracles, bigger sacrifice. Bigger sacrifice. You gotta get to this place where you start out giving your parents. Nobody has to remind you to tithe. For years, I tithed 15%. Nobody asked me. I tithed till it hurt. I gave till it hurts. I would literally come back from school. All the money that I had, I would just give it as a seed. Before my husband and I got married, we scraped up every little money we had, and we said, this is to God. Nobody has to teach you that. You got to experience it yourself. If they're still handing you seeds to sow, honey, you still don't know the value. You're not going to grow. You're only going to grow to the level of the faith they had to give you the seed. When is it your time to grow your faith? Grow up. Grow up. This is a prophetic word as we round up right now. Sorry to tell you, but manna has ceased. And we are moving to a new dispensation of God's power in this place. And you got to start stretching yourself, sis. Bro, you got to step out on faith a lot more because everything that has your name on it is on the other side of that fear, is on the other side of that discomfort, is on the other side of that inconvenience. If it's time to wake up at 5 a.m. to put them prayers in, you better do it. You better stop expecting God to be your alarm. I hope the Holy Spirit gonna wake me up at 5 a.m. Nah, set the alarm. Make it hard for the devil to limit you. Don't make it so easy. We make it too easy for the devil to limit us. We make it too easy for discouragement. You gotta make the environment capable for you to step out on faith. That was a word for somebody. Stop limiting your environment and containing the goodness that God has for you. Stop restricting the flow of grace upon your life. As we rise up on our feet, Deuteronomy chapter 32. Moses goes back to that mountain and he gets all these commandments. And the Bible says that all the commandments that he wrote in the book of Deuteronomy, giving these people instructions for how to live after he dies. Bible says in chapter 13 that he made it into a song. Now I wonder why did, literally, why did he make it into a song? Because songs are easy to remember. Some of us, the only connection we have to the 70s and the 80s is by the music. You must remember the days of the old The Tulsa massacre that happened many years ago, the way that the whites were able to keep the blacks suppressed in those days was that they didn't allow any media to publish about it. They literally would ban and fine the men and women for ever telling their children. So we had a whole generation of people who lived in a city who never knew the massacre ever occurred. But somebody, somebody who had some inkling and remembrance decided 50 years later to put it in a paper in the 70s. Had it not been for them, we would have not known what we know now and those survivors would have not been able to get compensated the way they were compensated. And so as I was praying for you today, the Lord told me clearly, you need to go back and do your family tree. It's gonna be hard for some people. You need to do your family tree and use it to pray. I guarantee you, if you do enough investigation about your family tree, you got enough prayer points for the rest of 2021. Guarantee you, nobody's perfect. Do your family tree. I got started on mine a couple weeks ago with my mom. It's changed my life. Because now the enemy's in trouble. You see, there's something called familial spirits he doesn't deviate too far on what will work for your DNA. So if it weren't for your auntie, second twice removed, chances are he's just going to flip the same curse on you. And we're not going to have that in the name of Jesus. And so let us pray as we wrap up. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for teaching us in this season. God, we pray for all of us today. That as we have heard this word, put some action to it in the name of Jesus. I pray for every heart and every ear that has received this today. That they will not just go home and forget this ever heard, they ever heard this. They will not just suddenly have amnesia. I pray for a divine remembrance to fall upon the ears in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, minister to them individually. Show up in their bedrooms, show up in their closets, show up in their bathrooms. Let this word have feet to run. I pray, oh God Almighty, these kingdom strategies, these skills that you've taught us in this warfare season, that Lord God Almighty, as we are using them to engage with the enemy that is trying to come for our life, that we will not lose in the name of Jesus. We not, we shall not be found in the midst of sin. We shall not have, be found in the midst of desperate, of desperate measures, Lord. I pray, oh God, that we shall be released to experience the freedom that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty, matchless name, we pray. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.